do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This, this, is, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Empire. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you guys to my friend and colleague. He is a dentist and dentist by trade, I would say, but he he is a published author and a speaker as well, uh, and the owner of Win the Now. Uh, Eric Recker, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, I couldn't have done a choppier intro, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking offline about your your kind of you reached burnout in your your regular dental practice and uh, kind of sought out these other areas to the speaking and the coaching and the the training that you do now. So tell me a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge uh, believer in teaching from the journey. So I and faith is super important to me. So I believe if we've been through certain things in our life and we learn lessons and God helps us through those lessons, then it's important for us to be able to share those lessons with other people. So if we go way back on the burnout, I think a lot of it started on the playground of elementary school. I was, uh, I was bullied when I was in second, third, fourth grade, kind of continued through junior high. I was told that I was not good enough to play recess kickball. And in my small town in Iowa, in the early 80s, recess kickball was life. I mean, it was yeah. huge. You got to play recess kickball. And I was told that I wasn't good enough. It would have been fine if I was picked last because I at least could have showed them what I had but I was told I couldn't play. So I remember as a little kid and yeah, I was pretty rough around the edges. I was Husky, you know, the jeans, the Husky jeans you can get when you're growing up. I was a Husky jeans kind of guy. Wasn't very fast, not very athletic. And I remember standing on the, uh, the sidelines of that recess kickball field. And I said, I made a pact with myself. I'm going to be so darn good at everything that I do that no one will ever not pick me again. So what that created was kind of a monster who was never content with anything that he accomplished. So pushed myself relentlessly through high school, through dental school, uh, discovered the uh, running, uh, which is unbelievable to me because I, I used to just cringe at even running a mile in elementary school. Discovered running, but none of the distances were good enough through marathon. Then I discovered triathlon. None of that was good enough for me all the way through the Ironman distance. And I got to a point where I was climbing a mountain in Colorado a couple of days before I was going to do a, the Leadville 100 mountain bike race out there. And I just got to the top of that mountain and I had no idea why I'd climbed the mountain. So I, I learned this lesson that if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. And so it just made a lot of sense why I relentlessly pushed myself so hard, which led to led to burnout. I was overcommitted. I was doing way too many things. And I just, my life was gray. So all of that kind of culminated, and we can jump into any more of this if you want to, but uh, all of that culminated kind of in uh, 2020 with COVID. I actually had a little discretionary time as our office was closed for eight weeks and I decided that I needed to just, I don't know, reinvent myself, refigure out the next part of my life. And so I committed to some quiet every day, 30 minutes of quiet every day that my dental practice was closed. And through that, that's where I discovered the win the now concept and discovered a new pathway to my life and the timing as God's timing usually is, was perfect because I was within months of selling my dental practice and walking away. And I'm happy to say now that I avoided the biggest mistake I could have avoided, uh, I, I could have made in my life. 
And so that kind of brings us to the path where, uh, where I'm on now. I've, I feel like all these lessons I've been through, the burnout I've been through, that my burden now is to teach from the journey and help other people not go so far down that road. Sure. Sure. That's a great story, man. That is a, that is an excellent story. And and you're so right about teaching from experience. I mean, there's only a couple ways to learn. And one, one is get kicked in the teeth yourself and do it yourself and have to experience it yourself. Right. Or like read and learn from others or hire coaches and things like that, as you know. And so, uh, utilizing other people's experience to compress time is something I'm, I'm very, passionate about as well. So tell me more about when the now, what, what kind of, uh, things do you coach on? Do you teach on? Yeah. So what I found is when I was, uh, when I was burned out, I was overcommitted. So I just had too many things on my plate. There was a season where I was building a new dental office. I was buying, uh, I was in the process of purchasing the practice from my dad. Uh, I was coaching both of my kids in soccer. I was on three nonprofit boards uh, and I was training for an Ironman triathlon. So I was, I mean, yeah, I look back on, I'm like, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I was trying to prove. I think I was still trying to prove to those bullies on the playground that I was good enough and they don't care about me. They didn't care about me within five minutes after recess. So, but I found myself in this place where I was either worried about the past or sorry, stuck in the past, or I was worried about the future. And when I was in one of those places, I was never present. It was never present in my own life. So at night when I actually would, uh, those few hours when I'd get home from work and I got my workout done and I'd actually get a chance to spend time with my family, I was worried about my next workout, worried about the next day, uh, at, at work or, whatever the next thing was. So I was robbed of the one thing that we are guaranteed. And that is the present moment. So I said, I got to figure out how to get back into the present moment. And so what when the now talks about it's the mindset of presence. So it talks about how what we have right now is what is guaranteed. And in our current now, what does a win look like? So Jeff, for you and me right now, during this time that we're recording the podcast, a win looks like a great conversation between the two of us. It looks like adding value to the listeners. It looks like helping someone shorten the distance from where they are to where they could be. And then after this, I have a bunch of things I have to get done before my wife and I are going to go on a vacation next week. And so I have a list of things to do. And so I'm going to time block the rest of my, I have the rest of my day time blocked so that I know what I want to accomplish in each of those times. So that's what a win looks like. And then about six o'clock today, everything's off and we're, my wife and I are going to a cooking class. So it will be all about getting completely into that moment and finding a win in that moment and being present there. So it's, figuring out what the different nows of your life are and figuring out what a win in each of those moments looks like instead of being stuck in the past or worried about the future. Presence is so important. I I mean, we talk about this all the time in in our group as well, Um, but it's really hard in today's day and age with all the distractions that you encounter and and all all the inputs that we have because we have a tendency to to do what you're talking about and overschedule, uh, overcommit all, all of those things because we have the ability to do it with technology, right? So like your phone can connect you to work anywhere. And so that's, it's, it's really powerful that that's your focus because I think as a parent, as a father, like it, it's very important to me because it's something that I struggle with for sure. Cause I'll be reading my kids something, but my head is off thinking about something else, right? Like, I think everybody could kind of relate to that. And, and I, I have, I run a men's group and and the guys in that group have, have this conversation constantly because I, I think as guys, I don't know, I'm sure as females, they have the same problems, but, but we always have things in the back of our head, our business, our bills, 
our finances, the, the things that we put on our shoulders that we don't really talk to our family about necessarily, uh, that we don't burden those people with. Th those are what consume me when I'm trying to be present with my children, trying to be present with my wife, things like that. So how, how do you recommend people focus in those situations? And this, is this a learned behavior? Yeah, it is. It's, I, I think it is. Uh, I think it's uphill sledding to do this. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think it's easy to let our mind wander to all those tasks that we have. It's easy to go to distractions. It's easy to do all of that because we have, uh, we have our digital pacifiers that we can pick up at any time, just as a little baby, when they're uncomfortable, our first thing that we do is we give them a pacifier, try to settle them down a little bit and we get the same way. So yep. we pick up our phone and we don't have to face our, our problems, don't have to face the things we need to work on. And we're just in low drip dopamine mode, which is really, we're useless to everybody at that point. So, so what do you do about it? Uh, I am a huge fan of doing things today that set ourselves up for success tomorrow. So there's a lot of people who really try to bolt out of work at the end of the day so they can get home and be with their family as fast as they can. But what they don't do is tie up a few of those loose ends that may make some things spin in their head a little bit less. So I would rather be at work for 10 more minutes and tie up a couple of those loose ends so that I can be free for my family when I get home. I would rather take a little bit of time on Sunday afternoon to kind of plot out my week than go into a week with a spinning head. So I'm always looking for ways to set myself up for success for the, for the next moment so that I can be in that moment and not worried about it. So making lists, I'm a huge fan of making lists. One of the reasons I like it so much is it feels good to cross something off, right? When we have this big list and you can see black ink or red ink or whatever you want to use going through that, it feels good. So doing some of those things and then part of it is just being aware of it, being aware yeah. of when your mind starts to starts to drift. I actually have a phrase or uh, what I call a recentering phrase. When I feel that, I just take a deep breath and I just say to myself, I am here, right here, right now just to remind myself of how important the moment is. And this is a learned behavior, absolutely. And I will tell you this, I got a long ways to go, but I'm a lot farther along than I was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I like what you said about closing things out. Like that's one of the things that I have put into practice in my own life as far as like, rather than having these open items in, in thinking of your brain as like a hard drive, like you've got these open items spinning constantly. For me, I do the same thing. If I'm able to like brain dump and then assign them a task and a time that I'm going to revisit them. Like, so tomorrow during admin time, I'll take care of X, Y, and Z. If I make a list of that, I can sleep. And like, it, I mean, with everything I've got on my plate with multiple businesses, everything else, all the investments we've got running projects and things like that, I had a tendency to just lay in bed and let all of that churn and churn and churn. And now I'm to the point where like, I'll get up out of bed and go do my list if I haven't done something like that and just to download it and get it out of my head. And so then my brain can rest because it's, it knows there's a task assigned for it tomorrow. And then I can relax. It's, it's weird the way we work like that. Yeah. I love that technique. I, I talk to a lot of people about that as well. Uh, have a notebook beside, beside your bed. Um, if you wake up in the in the middle of the night and something's spinning, um, just jot it down. Uh, just take take a couple minutes. Would you rather lay in bed for an hour and let your head spin? Or would you rather take a couple minutes, get it out of your head? Um, because there's a reason that it popped into your head. There's yeah. a reason that it's spinning around in there. It needs some attention. And even if that attention is to get it on the paper and the next morning, you're like, well, that was stupid. But at least you got it out of your head and it allows you to rest then. Yeah, I'm also... That. 
I'm also a huge believer that if you, I I plan and we like, I I have Sunday planning sessions for the week ahead, all all that stuff. I'm a big believer on the work that your subconscious can do um, when you're not present, if you will, like it for like sleeping. Like if you know the project that you have to encounter tomorrow and, and you download it, like we're talking about the day before your subconscious can actually go to work on problem solving and things like that, that you don't even have to participate in. And so like a lot of times people think that's their creative mind and sometimes it is, but we leave a lot of hours on the table by not planning ahead, I think. Yeah, don't you think that that's part of why Monday is so hard for people uh, is that we just step away from it for the weekend. Like as far as we possibly can, we put this we put the the castle door over it and then we pull up the drawbridge and we bolt it and we lock it and all of that. We don't look at it at all over the weekend. And then Monday morning we come back and it and the door opens and everything rushes in and we're just overwhelmed like this and there's not enough coffee to get us through it. I think if we can just take a little time on Sunday, it doesn't have to be a lot. For some people, it's going to be 15 minutes. Some people a half hour, some people might take a little bit more than an hour. Um, But man, I think that's a tremendous gift or whatever day is before your week work week starts. But setting ourselves up for success is is one of the biggest gifts I think we can give each other or ourselves. Uh, That's so brilliant that you say that, because like I I think people don't understand the the self-sabotage that they do because you don't have to work like that. I work pretty much seven days a week now, and and I do it by choice, but I really, because it it helps me deal with everything. Like you're talking about, like the people that check out and go to happy hour Thursday afternoon and don't fucking come around until Monday again, like they get hit with a tidal wave of like reactionary fires. Like they're, they're just smacked with like all these problems. And for me, I've found in my life, it works better if I touch my stuff every single day, like all of my bit, my businesses, my finances, my relationships, like all of it, my, my fitness, my physical stuff. If I, if I just do it every single day, it takes way less time. It's way stress. It's way less stressful than it used to be. And, and honestly, I make exponential, exponentially more progress as well. Yeah. I think it's the same thing that happens when kids step away from school for the whole summer, right? There's a brain drain, there's a block, and then you have to get past that as soon as you get back. And then also, I I don't know about you, Jeff, but being mindful of the things that we're distracting ourselves with over the weekend. So we can get really dumb over the course of a couple of days because the the new generation of of workforce wants flexible time and time off and i understand that and that's great but are you actually doing anything in that flexible time and time off to recharge yourself or are you just getting home and sitting on the couch with your phone or screens or are you exercising are you finding quiet time are you finding time for your brain to actually idle and rest are you uh doing act are you playing games are you interacting with people are you being social or are you using that flexible time to just zone out and dopamine drip for the whole weekend because i think we have to be conscious of that uh i talk about when we recharge it's super important to have different levels of recharging that we can do if we have a 10 minute window what can we do in 10 minutes that helps fill our bucket back up a little bit? Can we take a walk around the block? Can we just go sit in the sun? Can we put do not disturb on our phone and take five minutes worth of deep breaths? Uh, Oh, maybe we have the whole weekend off. Uh, Should we go somewhere for a night, you know, do a little, a little weekend trip? Oh, you have a week off. What's that going to look like? Oh, maybe we go to the beach or maybe we go to the mountains and do something like that. Um, Just, kind of scaling those recharging experiences to what we have for time to try to efficiently help ourselves to recharge. So we don't show up on Monday with nothing in the tank and we're scared to face the whole week. Well, I mean, we, we could go down a 
deep rabbit hole on this one, but like I, I have lived that life. Like I said, I was in the corporate world for a very long time. Like I, I mean, I did the whole Thursday happy hour, drink Friday, drink Saturday, drink day, drink on Sunday. And like, I know you didn't mention drinking, but I, I think as a society, like that's how most people spend their weekends. It, 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 like watching sports and consuming things, it, whether it's shitty food and you don't drink like great, but, or whether you're drinking alcohol, like that drags your body and your optimization down. Like I never realized, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certain it wasn't good for me when I was doing that and keeping that cadence and rhythm, but you have to think about how long it takes your body to get back to like optimal levels of like micronutrients and everything else to perform cognitively and be present and like operating at a high level. And like, I have an expectation of myself to operate at a high level, but I was self-sabotaging with exactly what you're talking about by not taking care of these types of things. And I think people overlook that. I think the majority of society overlooks the, the way that they spend their time and the way that they take care of their body. Like I, I say all the time to my clients that you are the asset. Like we have to maintain you first and foremost, like mental health, physical health, all of that, a hundred percent. And so like what you're speaking to is completely in alignment with like my belief system at this point in my life because of the lessons that I've learned over time and how I used to behave. Yeah. And I don't want anybody for a second to think that this is me oh man, look at him. He's got it all figured out. He's standing up there telling us what we're doing wrong. I have a lifetime of doing it wrong, of overcompensating. I went through the time where my only escape was uh, was drinking as well. And yeah. I don't have anything against drinking. I still like having friends over. I have a really neat bourbon bar and we sit around and it's amazing the conversations that we can have um, with a, a, a glass of bourbon. It's, it's amazing the fellowship that happens, the relationships that happen. It's great. Um, but I went down the road of, I've had a crappy day. I'm going to have a couple drinks really quick to take the edge off so I don't have to think about it so I can zone out in la-la land. And you know what? Those problems are going to find us. Yeah, We can push them down as much as we want. Um, and the burnout is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And we either realize it and work on it or it realizes us and then something's going to snap in our body, in our mind, and we're going to be forced to slow down. So yeah. I just think we have to be conscious of these habits that we're doing because I love what you said, talking to your clients, telling them that, that they are the asset. And it's true. It's true. Yeah. And uh, the, the other thing that led me to like uh, more awareness, uh, cause I'm the same. I, I still, I still drink. I still do. I just don't do it with the frequency because I'm a data guy now more so than I used to be. And I track all my shit like, like a psychopath. And, and what I didn't really understand was that like, if you spend three of seven days, <laughs> not, in an optimal state because you're recovering from having a few drinks last night or whatever, or you're slower cognitively for any reason. Like even though you think you're operating at a great level, that's just what you're used to until you clean it up. But then if you look at the numbers, you're like, whatever, three out of seven is like four out of seven is like 62% or something. I don't know the number right now, but like that's horrible. When you think about like 100 being what you're shooting for, 62 is way the fuck away from 100. Like it's half. And, and, and when you have the realization that you're really only operating at half of your capacity, like for me, I have to look at myself and go, well, that's really a terrible effort. Like I'm responsible for a lot of people. Like I have my kids that look up to me. They're watching me, all this other shit. Like I have higher expectations of them even. So then the data has led me to drive up those numbers. Like how many alcohol-free days am I spending now in a year? And like, what's that percentage? And then how am I operating in these other areas? What's my fitness like? All of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been there too. And uh, when I was doing triathlon, I was just ridiculously tracking everything. I was so psychotic about my 
regimen that I had a triathlon coach write a year worth of training for me for an Ironman. And it was uh, 20 to, on the peak training weeks, it was up to 24 hours a week of training. And out of, so I would do 10 workouts a week and have one day off. So most days I was working out twice. And in the course of a year, I missed two workouts. That's psychotic. That's ridiculous. I mean, that owned me. It, it became way too much of my identity. And so I have, I know myself and I have an addictive personality. So I have to be careful with things. So I have to be careful with alcohol because it's very easy for me to go down that road of a couple drinks every night. And I exactly what you said. Um, but I think we have to, uh, I think we have to just be conscious of the things that we're doing to our body. Uh, another thing I had to, uh, I had to switch watches that I was wearing because I, I normally wear a Garmin watch yep. and it tracks my sleep and it has this thing called body battery on it, which is really cool. It based on your sleep, based on what your heart rate was like during the day, based on some other factors that it uses it would give you a real time number uh, basically of what you have in the tank for the day. And if I got a really great night of sleep, uh, I would be in the upper nineties or maybe a hundred to start the day. And I felt really good about that. But some nights you just don't sleep well. Some nights you got a lot on your mind. You didn't get to sleep early enough, all those kind of things. And if I would see my day as like a 72 to start the day, I would become the 72 and I would act that way. Like, oh, I just don't have it today. And so I'm actually in a point where I've just said, okay, I was getting too attached to the, the number I was getting on the body battery. So for a couple of weeks, I'm just putting that watch to the side. I'm using it still when I work out to track some things, but I'm putting it on the side because I was getting too focused on it. And uh, my wife actually said one time, she's like, what's your body battery number with about that amount of enthusiasm? <laughs> and I said, you know, um, it's just that I, I just had got home from work. I'm like, it's only at a 32. She goes, so what? I'm like, yeah, you're right. So, you know, and I, I'm guessing Jeff, that you can be that way too, that you can be pretty militant with some of those, some of those yeah. data things. But I think we have to be, yeah. Norman Phoenix is right here on my wrist. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I love that if you don't know, if you don't know your habits, you don't know how you're sleeping, you don't know any of those things, that can be a great tool for you to learn, okay, what is the effect of having two drinks later in the evening versus not having drinks? When I have drinks later in the evening, my deep level of sleep, while you think it would be great, it's going to be crap. And that's how it affects sleep. And I also know I'm more likely to wake up a few times during the night. And yep. so when you can quantify that, then you start to have some more self-awareness like, oh, is that what I want to choose tonight? Or if I'm going to have a drink, probably better be done by about seven o'clock because I need my system to, to empty out and then I can get to sleep. Yep. My resting heart rate raises uh, 10 to 15 beats when, when I've had alcohol uh, overnight. Cause I try, I'm, I'm like 42 usually on a resting heart rate. And, and it's usually somewhere between 52 and 56 when I have alcohol, which is just insane to think about. Um, but to, to your point, like we just had a conversation in our group about something similar to this, right? So like type a driven people that, that have high expectations of themselves have a tendency to do this stuff. So like one guy in our group, he he set a goal at the beginning of the year to have 52 drinks a year, in the year for some reason. Actual drinks, like a beer would be one. And like, it, wow. So it, we he, he came out and told this story because he's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. It's stressing me out. Like I'm missing opportunity. And so, but then everybody had these stories. And because I've done the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to bike 2,500 miles in the next six months or something and like, or, or whatever you set these stupid goals. Like you were talking about, about your Ironman and then it consumes us. 
And so one of the things that I've been able to do in the past few years, because I, I told you that I'm big on data and quantitative information, right? And, yep. and so the way I've been able to detach from that is start tracking like qualitative data as well, which is like, how much am I enjoying this time with my kids? How much am I enjoying like overall life? Right. And so, cause, cause I had tried to build in grace for myself for, for a long time, right? Like, okay, well you missed a day of this or that. And like, that doesn't go over very well. Right. So like when, <laughs> yeah. when we're able to though track like a qualitative number, like, okay, well I missed this. But my day and my overall happiness, like that was one of the best days I've had out with my family at the beach in like a year or something like then, then our personalities, are, my personality is able to reconcile that because I'm like, well, that was a 10 and I want more 10s in my life. And so like that, that has been one thing I have done to allow myself grace and space from these stupid challenges. Like, cause I will, like, if I'm not on something or pointing at some target, I'll make up my own. And then I doggedly pursue it. And it's like at the detriment of everything else. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I think, I think that is, that is absolutely huge. Uh, I used to, Sunday used to be worry day for me because it was that step away from work, don't touch any of it. And then at some point, if you haven't done anything with it on Sunday, you realize Monday is coming. There ain't a thing I can do about it and Monday is coming. And that a lot of that goes way back to the bullying stuff too. So I was scared of Mondays because home was safe on the weekend and I had to face the bullies on Monday. So Mondays have, have it's kind of translated that way. So when I learned that I could do a little planning on Sunday, that was huge. But I also realized that Sunday does need to be a day of rest for me. But I can go really far into that. Like, okay, I need to read this much in a book and I need to have this much quiet time and I need to do all of this. So then all of a sudden this thing that's supposed to be restful and beneficial becomes another task, another thing that I have to do. So my, um, my wife and I are empty nesters. We just sent our youngest son off to college a, a few weeks ago. So he decided to come home for a couple of days over Labor Day weekend. And Sunday normally would be a day where I'm like, all right, I'm going to read, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And, but he was home. And then our older son and his wife came over as well. And so I... I did kind of an experiment like you were talking about. And I said, what if we just have kind of a full hangout day? And we did, and we played games and we threw darts and we played cards and we went to a local arcade. They have free Sunday arcade. And so we played skee-ball and all these different games. And qualitatively, that day was a 12. I mean, yeah. it was one of the most amazing days I can remember because I let go of that expectation and said, you know what, this Sunday is going to look a little bit different than some of the other Sundays. And I'm so happy that I did. And I think we miss those opportunities to, to do that. So I love that. I'm definitely going to use that, the, the data plus the qualitative, how do you feel that that's absolutely brilliant. Thanks, man. Yeah, it, it's helped me. It's helped me give me myself the grace. It, I, I'm laughing at your rest day because you're like, well, I set out to read 25 pages and you're an absolute piece of shit because you only read 24 pages. And like, you're, you're like trying to get, and you're like, wait, this is rest day. And like, you, I, I gamify everything. And so yeah. like, that, that's yeah. the, I, I can relate to that so deeply. Yeah. Come <laughs> um, on, we're going to rest Damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you've done a lot of mountaineering. Is that, is that accurate? Like, have you so, climbed a bunch? So I like to climb mountains, but not really mountaineering. So I haven't oh. been like strapped in cables, all of that kind of stuff. So some in Colorado. Uh, and then I did uh, Mount Kilimanjaro a few years ago to raise money for, uh, for a school in Tanzania. So 
real cool story. If you don't mind me sharing just a little bit about yeah. that. Um, I have a team at my office and I thought a fun thing for a staff meeting would be is it would be for all of us to share our bucket list items. So most of my team had never really thought of having a bucket list. So we kind of talked about what it was and I said, all right, everybody go around and just one thing. So I started and I said that my bucket, number one bucket list was to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I didn't know why, uh, other than I knew it was the tallest place on earth that you can walk to. So there's okay. no real technical climbing. It's just a really long multi-day hike. Sure. And so uh, we all went around and, and one, the second person who was after me said, how do I follow up Mount Kilimanjaro? And I said, <laughs> hey, you do your life, I'll do mine. So after our meeting, one of my hygienists came up to me and she said, hey, Dr. Eric, uh, we're having, we just had a missions conference at our church this last week. I said, okay. And there was a guy there from uh, whose in-laws have a mission in Tanzania. I said, okay. He said, and they are in six months, they are taking a team up Mount Kilimanjaro to raise money for the school. I said, Okay. So I went home that night. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. She said, when? I said, this fall. She says, okay. So it was just, I have a ridiculously supportive wife, which is amazing. So I was able to, uh, we raised a whole bunch of money. Our team that went up, uh, raised enough to build two classrooms, an administrative room and get them a whole bunch of technology for their, uh, for their school. And yeah, we got to this a five day up, two day down hike. We slept on the mountain, um, got some of the most amazing views that I've ever seen in my life. The whole experience was just, was just amazing. That's amazing. Congr congratulations, man. Like you just, you, you speak to the power of like putting things out in the universe though. Like that was instantaneous. Yeah. She just was like, Oh, I've, I've, got your bucket list item right here and yeah uh, all you need to do is book your flights <laughs> yeah so i fully believe that if we don't you know if we're not in relationship with people we're in trouble if yeah. we're isolated we are we're just in in huge trouble covid um I, I may be stepping on some toes when i told the when i say this but covid uh told one of the biggest lies in in modern time and that is that we have to stay away from other people because other people are dangerous and yes i know we didn't know everything about it and all of that but we need to be around people if it's a little bit of distance in between us fine but we need to be around people we need to be in relationships with people if we are isolated if we're by ourselves we are in trouble and so because of the relationships that I had with my team at work, I'm able to have that level of conversation with them. Yeah. And then they were invested in my bucket list and how they could help me achieve it. I helped a couple of them achieve their bucket list items. And it's just really cool how that works. And I'm, like I said, I'm convinced if I didn't put it out there that day, uh, that would still be a bucket list item for me several years later. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And that you guys raised so much money and made such a difference and huge impact with philanthropy. So it, that's, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for telling that story. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, I, I could go down the rabbit hole a long way. Well, on both COVID and the fact that like, I, I think we're just primal animals at nature. It, it, it like naturally we are just animals and, and we're pack animals. And so like, that's why that human touch that being around people and the camaraderie that comes with it, the community, like is so important that, I mean, and there, there's so many reasons behind that, but, um, I, I just think we're animals at, at our core anyway. We're, so, yeah, we are. That's why, that's why the mastermind concept is such a huge thing for people. That's why people thrive in that. That's why men's groups thrive. That's why, people who have commonalities when they get together. It's why uh, my bourbon bar works out so well because we get a couple guys who uh, normally don't have this kind of fellowship in their lives and then you get to share life together. And then 
you have these friends that if you need something in the middle of the night, they're there for you. Yeah. And I don't want to live a life without 2 a.m. friends. I just don't want to. It's scary. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we've been conditioned to get away from as adults, too. Um, like you, you lose that. You have that throughout childhood and adolescence. And then, and then you kind of have a tendency to veer away from that more, more so in today's day and age. I think it used to be based around the family and, and like they, whatever societal norms or whatever you want to say has kind of fractured some of that. And it's left a lot of people like isolated. Yeah. And so, and, and I especially think that for guys. Um, because it seems like when we're on a sports team together, like in high school or people play sports in college, then there's that natural camaraderie. Right. But then when we get into our jobs, we get so busy trying to provide for our families and so busy trying to climb the ladder and do all those things in a time when we really, really, really need other people to support us along the journey. But we kind of step away from that. And then it seems like in retirement, guys kind of figure it out again, whether it's a coffee time group or guys who do woodworking or volunteering together. But for that most important part of our life, I think we step away from those relationships, especially as business owners or the higher up you get in a, as a leader, uh, it's, it's easy to be isolated if you're not intentional about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what the tactical empire group is is all about really it, it's men that are great husbands great fathers and make a shitload of money um and like that's the intention behind it and so we we have that group of people from that that can mentor and guide and steward people to like their goals but also like you, you can bounce those questions off of with regards to like having all the pressure of making like big decisions that impact like my decisions impact my entire family and the way my kids grow up and like everything. And so I, I think you lose a lot of that. So that's, that's a really good point. And I, I definitely agree with you. I, I personally have had trouble finding that I was in special operations in the military. I played sports my entire life, college football. So I was around those groups of people. I played on teams. I'm a team guy. And then you're right. And I went into the corporate world and it, it's very, like it, you lose a lot of that. I feel like, yeah. And cause it's, well, thank it's you for lending a, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think it's also has to do with the blending of personalities. That's why hmm. like my group is based on like high achieving men that want more for their lives. They, they want to expand and they want to build a life of their dreams, if you will. And so everyone in there is like-minded. Whereas like, same thing for your football team or special operations, right? We have an objective that we're trying to accomplish. You throw me into the melting pot of a fortune 50 company and everybody's got different values and different objectives and different views. And so I think that's why it's really hard to make those connections at work for adults and adult males, especially. Yeah, I think so. It involves intentionality. Uh, It involves a little bit of discomfort, right? Because we have to be willing to step into the unknown a little bit. And that gets us a little twitchy sometimes. Uh, but when we do, it's just unbelievable. When If you give somebody five minutes and you're both vulnerable and willing to share just a little bit of your story, it's unbelievable how you can feel those walls kind of come down. But we we just aren't we just don't seem to be naturally drawn to that. It seems like women, it's easier for them to get together and have groups and things like that. Um, But even that, I noticed that as I'm having conversations with my wife, how she sees that kind of changing. And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a scary time that we're just much more interested in what our devices and our screens have than what we can learn from other people face to face. Yeah, yeah. I hope that changes. I, I hope I hope we continue with building relationships and, and doing face-to-face in-person things. I think you're right about the draw to masterminds and things like that. Um, I, I think the reason masterminds have been so successful over the past few years is because like the titular head, whoever it may be, has a has a set of values and they kind of set the objective and then other people that share those values 
or, or who are attracted to that. So it's kind of a room of like-minded people, if you will, whereas um, the the real world, if you will, the, the rest of the world is just it. everything we're inundated with is divisiveness and mm-hmm. like how different we are. And like, it, I, I really feel like the entire, the media and everything is set up just to not allow us to be connected in that way. Like to, to put our walls up, if you will, yeah. And yeah. because everybody's so much different. But then going back to our original conversation, we're all just animals. Like we all just have like Maslow's hierarchy of needs is really where all we're all sitting underneath these cloaks of armor is it, we're just in Maslow's hierarchy of needs somewhere along that ladder. We are. We are very correct. <laughs> Yeah. So I love what you're doing. I love how you're trying to get guys together and uh, with commonalities and encourage each other and push each other uh, and be there for each other when things don't work out, because that's a huge part of it. The encouragement is great. Uh, The uplifting each other is great. The pushing each other, the succeeding, the winning, all of that kind of stuff. But also we have things that happen in our lives. Like the only yeah. thing that's certain about life is that it is uncertain. So when those uncertainties come, uh, boy, when you're isolated and then an uncertainty comes, life can seem pretty hopeless. But if you have people around you to walk with you through those uncertainties, uh, a family diagnosis, uh, a parent who passed away, uh, uh, loss of a job or loss of an investor or whatever it might be, you got to have people with you to be able to soften the blow when that happens. Yep. Yep. Well, man, I, I love what you're doing with win the now. And I, I think that the, the other thing we didn't really get to talk to, cause we're short on time at this point. I don't want, I want to be respectful of your time, but like, I think your focus on presence could also align with really high achievers because I, I think, hear me out. For a second, let me spitball on this, and, and yeah. then you tell me what you think, and then we'll wrap yeah. it up. <laughs> um, I I truly believe I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Um, it, I, the ability of a, a ultra high performer, their ability to shift focus and operate at a high level on a variety of things throughout the day is kind of what dictates your level of success. And and what I mean by that is. At eight o'clock, can I come into my team meeting and focus and deliver the goods? At nine o'clock, can I reframe, take my kids to donuts, be present in that situation? At 10 o'clock, can I regroup, speak to a group of real estate agents and deliver a leadership speech? At 11 o'clock, can I do this, right? So like yes. what you're teaching to be in the moment with while it does apply to like it, it applies to everything, but like you're really sharpening the skill set of high performers, in my opinion, because I think you can apply. Well, I, I know you can apply that in your pursuits of your like your your financial goals, your business goals, in your life goals. And so, like, there's so much carryover to training like high, high performers with what you're doing. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to get lost in a day like that. There's so many things going on that that you have that home run meeting at eight o'clock. But like you said, to transition to the kids, it's hard to do that because so much adrenaline is up here on that first meeting. And then the time with the kids is it isn't quite as sexy as knocking a meeting yeah. out of the park. But man, it's really freaking important because if you're gone the rest of the day and maybe you have late night late night stuff too. You just have a jam packed day. That hour is what you get. It's got to count not to put too much pressure on it, but you know, around our families, we don't need to hit a home run with our families. We just need to know, we need them to know that we are there. Right. Yeah. And there are times when we're not going to be able to give them quantity of time and that they usually are pretty understanding if when we're there, we're there. And man, it's so rich when we show up for each of those moments. And then it feels like, it feels more like this well choreographed dance throughout the day, instead of more like a awkward Napoleon dynamite uh, moon boots type of dance. 
it just feels like we just kind of, you know, flow through the day and we're there for everything. And we hit our pillow at the end of the day and we're like, I showed up for today. I found a lot of wins. This was a good freaking day. Yeah. And, and, and what I meant by that is the, I think the better you can get at optimizing those transitions, like most of yeah. us take like an hour to decompress. Like I get off this podcast and I'm just like, uh, I got to scroll Facebook for a minute because we've been like engaged and, and dialed into like being present, if you will. And so yes. like, to be great, the, the better they can get at the skills that you're teaching, the the more they can squeeze out of life is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And so like what you're doing is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I and I appreciate you saying that. And I kind of took that in the different in a different direction. But yes, that's another thing that we talk about is is good transitions that allow you to be ready to win in the next moment. So yeah. it's not always a good idea to check email in between every meeting. It's not because, uh, you know, it's fine to delete a couple emails or maybe answer one. But what if you have five minutes in between things and you get a bad email? It's going to be really, really, really hard to be dialed into that next hour, especially if that hour is an hour with your kids. So when we just have those short times, what's again, those recharging things that we talked about? What is one of those that's really compressed? Uh, do we need to uh if you're able to step outside for five minutes, just get five minutes of sunlight on your head. That's a tremendous win in a short period of time. Five deep breaths, just a moment, just a couple moments of silence, all of those things that we can do to help transition into the, the next moments. What, what you said is that is literally how you find a lot of wins in a day is having good transitions. Sure. Sure. Where can they yeah. find you, Eric, if they want to if they want to work with you? Where can people find you? Yeah. So easiest home base for me is my website. Uh, just my name, ericrecord.com. On there, there's information about hiring me as a speaker or a coach, uh, just having a conversation about it, uh, links to the book that I wrote and all of my social media channels. And there is, if you're feeling like burnout is attacking you a little bit, and you're not really sure what to do, not really sure, am I there, am I not there? I have a, a free five-day knockback burnout challenge that pops up when you go to the website. So uh, go through that. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not intimidating or anything like that. It's, uh, it's practical stuff. It's stuff that I use to help get burnout to loosen the hold, uh, hold on me, and I think it can help some other people too. So. Awesome. Awesome. EricRecker.com. We'll throw all this information in the show the show notes. Thank you so much, Eric. It's a, I, I had a great time chopping it up with you today, man. Yeah, this has been great, Jeff. And thanks for all that you're doing. And uh, thanks for the conversation. I, I appreciate it. Anything I can do for you, you let me know, okay? And same, back, same goes back to you. Thank, thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you on the next episode. Next episode of the Tactical Empire.